is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour, the best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we delve into the world of sports psychology, your mind, your focus, your attitude, your demeanor as an athlete, as a coach, as a fan. I've been on the radio in Kansas City for 30 years, the last 20 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Love doing this show with you every week. I'm in my 41st year of work as a sports psychologist, one of the first trained sports psychologists in the country. And as I said, I really enjoy doing this show because we talk about your mind and how it affects what you do, how you do sports, how you play, how you win, how you lose, how you succeed, how you fail, if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent. And this show is focused on self-improvement, dealing with issues. I work all the time with coaches, with teams, with athletes. We discuss topics like sportsmanship. We talk about how do you win? How do you lose? How do you handle it? As fans, how do you deal with your emotions on and off the athletic field, in games, at home, wherever you might be? And, you know, throughout my career, I've worked with so many great people. I've been the uh, psychologist for the Kansas City Royals twice. Back in 1990, I was one of the very first sports psychologists in Major League Baseball with the team full-time, and then I was there from 2008 to just short of 2012. I've worked with the Olympic team, with our Olympic cycling program for years back in the 80s. I was the University of Kansas' first sports psychologist back in the 80s. I've worked with many, many athletes, many, many teams throughout my career. And one of the things I enjoy doing is helping people overcome their confidence or lack of confidence, or issues with their confidence. And today I want to get into that, because when I when I work with athletes on an individual basis in my office, we, and the way, you know, if you've never talked to a therapist before, let me give you an idea how it works with me. So what we do when somebody comes in, you know, obviously I'll get a call or an email from someone, and I always call them back myself, ask them why, you know, what's going on, why they're interested in coming in, we'll discuss the topics, the issues that are going on. And if it's a, a minor under 18, then the parents will come in with them the first session. And I'll meet with the parents. We'll sit down and talk about what the issues are, what their concerns are. And then we'll bring the athlete, the young person in. And we all sit down together, whether it's one or both parents and the athlete. and talk about why they're there and design what I call a mental game plan. And in the session, I'll have a personality test that I give a variety of people. Uh, that measures a lot of things like concentration skills and personality. But then I give some homework assignments. One of the things I ask people to do is write out five lists of things about themselves, their goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, distractions, and oftentimes I'll ask them to write down their stressors and worries as well. And from this, it gives me a picture into this person about 
what's going on with them, how they act, how they react to stress, to pressure, to success, failure, things like that. And then we start working on things. And, and what goes on in a therapy session is we sit and talk. We discuss things. And throughout my entire career, and like I said, 41 years to do this, actually County grad school, 42, because I spent a year working at San Diego State doing an internship with the men's tennis team and women's gymnastics team in 1980-81 when I first started this. There, there are four key words that come out of all of our sessions that we try to get into from a sports performance perspective. Now, from personal issues, there's a whole range of other things that come up. But we'll talk about mental preparation, focusing, attitudes, and self-confidence. And self-confidence is the foundation of all of it. And one of the things I found throughout my, my career is that almost, not all, but almost every athlete that comes in will bring up the topic of self-confidence. They don't have the confidence on the mound when they're pitching. They don't have the confidence in the pool when they're swimming. They're not confident about themselves before the game starts. And it seems to be pretty much a common denominator with almost everybody I work with. And it could be an NFL player. It could be a Major League Baseball player. It can be a high school swimmer, a cross-country runner, a tennis player, a country club golfer. It doesn't matter who it is. That confidence issue always comes up. So what I want to get into today is this whole issue of confidence, what it really is, how you develop it, how you lose it, and how you can help it succeed and improve. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. If you are a coach and you have some athletes on your team who have some confidence issues, and you can tell that just by watching them, watching their demeanor, if you're a parent, you have a son or daughter who you know has a confidence issue, or you're an athlete, and you know there's that self-doubt when you're out there playing, competing. I'd love to hear from you. I'm here every week we get into these topics. And, you know, when it comes to self-confidence, like I said, that's the sort of the foundation. I talk about preparation. Preparation is involved with how you get ready mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally. What are the things you do to get ready to go perform? You know, some people say, I'll oh, just go out there and do it. Some people have an elaborate mental preparation, physical preparation routine, stretching their body and their mind to get ready to go play. There are all kinds of things a lot of people will do. They'll have superstitious routines to get ready. Then when it comes to focusing, we try to talk about what are you, what do you need to concentrate on? What are the topics and issues you need to concentrate on for your competition today. It may be the opponent. It may be the conditions of where you're at. But more importantly, it's you. So what are the distractions that get in the way externally and internally? And internally, that's where that self-doubt and that confidence stuff comes up, which we'll get to in a moment. Then I try to look at attitudes. And I always say there are three kinds. I always ask people, there are three kinds of attitudes. What are they? Most people always say positive and negative, and then they'll go neutral. I always say, well, to me, it's realistic. And I always like talking about developing a positive, realistic attitude. And what is a positive, realistic attitude? It means I'm going to go out today. I'm going to try and do the best I can. I know who I'm competing against is really good, but it doesn't matter. I know that if I'm <clears throat> going to go play an out outside event, 
the weather may play a role in what's going on, and I've got to deal with that. Maybe adverse conditions, but I'm going to be ready to handle it. So a realistic attitude is that negative attitude, you know, negativity, let's face it, it's turn on TV, turn on your, your phone, look, look at your phone. Negativity is everywhere. And research has found for the average person it takes 12 positive statements to overcome one negative. So that's an important component to look at when we look at this whole situation. And then that takes us to the topic of confidence. Confidence to me is the ability to believe in your skills and abilities, to believe in yourself and what you're about. How you build it, how you destroy it, comes from a variety of places, comes from experience, comes from backgrounds, and comes from the environment we're in now. So if you are an athlete and you have a confidence issue, it probably is related to two things. Number one, stuff that's happened in the past, but also the things that are going on now. And I want to get into that today. And I'd love to hear from you. If you're an athlete or a coach and you, you have a confident, an athlete with a confidence issue on your team, or you think you might be lacking some confidence, I'd love to hear from you and talk about it. If you're a parent, your son or daughter, you know isn't confident. Why is it? Let's talk about it and find some solutions. I'm going to give a bunch of examples that hopefully we, everybody can relate to. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. Our shows are podcasted all over the place. They're rebroadcasted in a number of cities around the country. And this show is about you to help you overcome your obstacles and fears in sports and life and get better. So give me a call and let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. And we talk about sports psychology on this show. And today's topic is self-confidence, which I'm going to get into in detail here in a moment as we discuss this. As I started in our first segment, I mentioned there are four key components that I try to look at with people. First is their preparation. How do you get ready to compete? What are the things you do to get ready to compete mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, whatever? How do you focus? What are the distractions to get where you're focused and what kind of attitude do you have? Then that takes us to self-confidence. I don't think there's there's been any athlete I've ever worked with throughout my 42 years of work where the topic of self-confidence has not come up at least initially or eventually in our sessions. You know, confidence comes from a variety of places. It comes from the people that we're around. It comes from our genetics. It comes from the environment we spend our time in. But in sports, it comes from direction, guidance, coaching. It comes from reinforcement. It comes from criticism. It comes from compliments. It comes from insults. And for many, many athletes along the way, what I have found is when they have a confidence problem, a confidence issue, it usually goes back to something that happened when they were younger. So what could that be? What could be happening to them when they were younger? Well, 
usually it's when something happened where they failed or made a mistake. And instead of being coached and supported and reinforced, they got insulted and yelled at and screamed at by a coach or a parent or a teammate or maybe an opponent. And instead of somebody helping them out with that, it carried over. A great example I'll give, and I've shared this story many times on the air. When my youngest son, Gregory, was about 11, he was playing baseball, and his team was waiting to play a game out of here in Kansas City, what, what's called Blue Valley Rec. And back then, they were all dirt fields. Now, they're, they're all very nice, manicured fields. But this is years ago. And we were playing the next game, and the team in front of us was playing, and there was a bunch of kids from the neighborhood. So a lot of the kids on our team knew the kids on that team. That team was coached by a very prominent attorney who had his name on a building and never met the, the individual, but I heard uh, felt very highly of himself. Well, this young athlete, eleven year, probably 11 years old, maybe 12, anyway, gets to second base. The third base, and this is rec baseball. This isn't club or traveling or anything. It's where they play 16 games and maybe have a playoff game. The third base coach is encouraging him to steal third. So he starts running, trips, falls flat in his face, gets tagged out. Gets up, comes into the dugout. Well, the, the head coach turns around and kicks the fence. The helmets and bats fall off the bat rack. He takes his hat, slams it down on the ground, and kicks it. This young man comes into the dugout. Now, this is a prominent attorney, I want you to know. This young man comes in the dugout. He's then grabbed by this guy. He throws him against the fence and starts cursing him out because he's out. I said something, hey, what are you doing? And he then yells at me. Then the first base coach comes in and grabs him and goes, what are you doing? This young man's now crying on the ground. I go up and get his dad. Now, his dad's over talking to some people. His dad he did, his dad didn't care what was going on. His dad just has fun at the games. I said, Steve, you better come over here. Why? What's going on? So he comes over. Well, I reported this this man, and to my knowledge, he was then told he can't coach anymore. I'm like, really? Told you, you should never be allowed kids again to coach. Well, the long and short of it is, this was when this young man was 11 or 12. When he was a sophomore in high school, his dad calls me and says, Andy, remember that incident? And I go, yes, Steve, I remember it very well. I'd like, I'd like John to come talk to you. So he brings John in, sophomore, about six foot two, real good-looking, strapping, athletic kid. Says, Dr. Jacobs, I don't have any confidence when I play sports. And just acting in a naive manner, I said, why is that? He goes, well, do you remember when I was younger? And I said, yes, I was sitting right behind the fence and saw the whole thing. He says, well... I'm scared. 
when I play to screw up. I'm scared to drop a ball, to make a mistake, because I think somebody's going to yell at me. Now, his parents are wonderful people, and they were there. His mom started crying about this because it was upsetting her so much. And I said, well, let's work on it. Well, he'd had some other great coaches, and he was a really good athlete. But in the back of his mind, there was that incident where that guy grabbed him and threw him against the fence. Confidence is such a delicate topic. And I think if you coach, I guess one of the messages I want to give today is is that I think it's so important about what you say, how you say it, how you implement it, how you share it. And when you're coaching younger kids, you really have to be aware of of your body language, what you say, what you do physically, because it leaves a big imprint in these kids' minds. I've had professional athletes, very prominent professional athletes in my career, who've shared stuff like this with me about a coach they had when they were a teenager who just just went off on them. You're supposed to be the best kid here. You're supposed to be better than everybody else. You suck. You're not doing your job. Well, they made it somehow to the professional ranks in spite of that message bouncing around in their head. So I think when you are a coach, it is so, so, so important to think about how you come across to your athletes, how you communicate. You know, I always ask people, how do you listen Do you listen to what's going on? You know, a few weeks ago on this show, I encouraged coaches to take a practice once in a while, especially now in light of the pandemic and everything going on, where you don't practice, but you have a a practice where you have a talking session where everybody talks about how they're doing, how they're feeling, how they're coping, are they having fun, whatever. And that, I think, may be more helpful than learning how to run routes or shoot, shoot balls. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. I'd love to hear from you. Our topic this morning is self-confidence. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. If you listen to the show, you know I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports, and today's topic is self-confidence. And I've been describing why, for some people, it's an issue. And I want to talk about how we work with it, how we handle it. And, you know, in sports, we fail. We lose. We screw up. It's, you know, same as life, but it's accentuated in sports because when you're playing a sport and there are people watching, other people get to see you. If you're in your office and you screw up, maybe nobody knows. And if you're a college athlete, a professional athlete, there are thousands of people, even a high school athlete, thousands of people are watching you. So how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? How do you grow from that? 
So to me, it's it's about first of all, why are you playing your sport? What are you what what are the goals you've got with it? Where do you want to go with it? I had a young man in my office the other day. I said, you know, he's a baseball player. He's fifteen, and I said, where do you want to go with your baseball? Well, I'd love to. I, I want to play in college. And if I'm good enough, I'd love to play professionally. But I don't know if I am. But you know what? I, I also just want to be a teenager. I want to go to the football games. And he was in my office with his mom. And his parents have been in before. His dad's been in a couple times with him. And one of the issues this young man had is, is my dad, my, you know, I love baseball, and I'm, he came. The reason he started seeing me is he was coming back from an injury. He had some confidence issues about coming back, and he's playing again and confidence in his skills. But now, his dad wants him to go to extra camps. He wants him to go to these showcases and travel around the country on weekends to go demonstrate his skills. And this is where this youth sports stuff has gone wacko, in my opinion. And this kid said, you know, this young man is a really good kid, and, and the parents are good people. The young man said, Dr. Jacobs, I just want to, he said this, quote, I just want to be a normal teenager. Fall ball's going on now. You know, if you play baseball, you play high school baseball, that starts here in the Midwest, usually in March. You play through May. And then your club teams, you know, the club teams already had practices. The club teams started practices in January. So the club team's practices have to stop for the kids playing on the high school teams. But the ones who aren't playing on the high school teams keep practicing. And then they start playing in May, as soon as high school ends, and they play through basically the end of July. And then they'll have maybe a little time off, but there are showcases around the country you can go to demonstrate your skills for, and these then lead into fall ball, where they play in the fall. And then that ends around the end, here in the Midwest, the end of October, and then they've got training. The club teams keep training, and there are showcases you can keep going to and different trainings you can go to. Well, this dad wants him to go every weekend somewhere. So he said to me in our session with his mom, I don't want, I, you know, I don't want to do it every, I, I want some time off. I want to just, you know, go out with my girlfriend on a Saturday night to a movie and not have to worry about going to baseball practice when there's no baseball going on. So we're talking about this, and, and he says it's it's affecting how I play because now I'm so afraid to screw up, and I'm so afraid to make mistakes because my dad's going to get upset at me because he's paying money for me to do all these things, supposed to learn this stuff. So the next session we have is going to be with both parents and this young man. We're going to talk about it. And the dad's a good guy, and he wants his son to succeed. But here's one of the problems we've got today when it comes to this confidence issue. How much is enough? So the Drake is here today. My normal producer, Blake, is out partying somewhere. He may still be partying, even though it's early in the morning. Could very well, yes. Yes, with Blake, we know that. Blake's a great guy. So, Drake, you've you've been around this stuff forever. Tell me your thoughts on what I'm saying here. Well, yeah, and, you know, I knew a lot of it. I knew a guy growing up in little my little hometown, and his dad had cancer. And his dad really pushed him to be an athletic guy. And our junior year in high school, he won state in wrestling for his weight class. 
and his it made his dad proud and he was so pleased that before his dad passed away he was able to win state well the next year his dad unexpectedly was still there was still hanging on was much worse but was still around and was pushing my friend so hard to win state again that the day of the the state tournament my friend started a fight in the library so that he would get kicked out of school and, and couldn't go to the state tournament because he was afraid uh, of, of letting his dad down. To lose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I could just see him, you see it eating him, eating him from the inside. It was, it was so, it was so heart wrenching because he wanted to, but he was scared to. And, you know, I, I've run into him a couple of times and he, since then, and, you know he's a successful adult now, but you just wonder. You know what does it, what does that do to a what does that do to a kid? Well, it leaves an, an imprint in their head, in their mind, in their in their beliefs about things, and it affects how they do the things they do because that message is still reverberating around their head unless they deal with it. And that that's why to me, this whole topic is probably as important a topic as any when it comes to life. Forget sports, but just life. But but we are all going to fail. We're all going to screw up. We're all going to lose at, at things. You know, I was telling you during the break, we had, we did a show earlier this year, and a guy called up. I said, we're teaching people how to lose. A guy called up, and he said, you're teaching people how to be p-s. And then he hung up, and, and and Blake, our producer, then got on the, got on and said, well, you're the p-s, sir, because you won't talk about it. Well, you're going to lose and fail. I don't care what you do. I mean, no one's perfect. You know, here in Kansas City, we've been blessed throughout the sports history to have had some incredible athletes. We've got, you know, of course, Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of the Chiefs now who, you know, he, there's all this stuff about in September. He hasn't thrown an interception. He's thrown so many touchdowns. He's won every game. Well, that That's all in the past. Now, he's a man of tremendous self-confidence, and but he also seems very grounded. And he hasn't won every game he's played. You know, the Chiefs lost the AFC Championship uh, a couple years ago at Arrowhead Stadium in overtime with to the Patriots. I think that motivated Patrick Mahomes to play better, and they won the Super Bowl last year. The Chiefs lost in the Super Bowl. You know, 10 years ago, Drake, if you told me the Chiefs would be playing in those three games, I'd have said, you're drinking too much. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, But th- that's the thing. I mean, sports, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. But but how you feel, your confidence is, is shaped and molded and and, and designed by your experiences. And so one of the things I'm trying to get at here is if you're coaching, and so many coaches I get feedback from who listen to the show and to our podcast, I think it's really important to think about the messages you give the kids you're working with and what you're saying to them and how that's going to affect their confidence. I mean, you know, you've got on a sports team, you've got maybe 15, 20, 30 kids on that team, depending on what the team is. And you're going to have some kids who show a lot of self-confidence, and if they fail, they don't get upset about it, whatever. And then you have some kids, if they fail, they screw up, or they get depressed, they get down in the dumps, they hang their heads, they mope. Good coaches have to be good psychologists. And so being a good psychologist as a coach means that you understand the psyches of these kids, the goals they've got for being there. So one of the things I encourage coaches to do in terms of helping kids deal with their confidence is when a young person signs up for your team, Find out why they're there. Ask their parents why they're there. What are their goals? What do they want to accomplish? How good do they feel they are? How bad do they feel they are? And how can you help them work through that? 
That's why I, I, I've said forever on this show, good coaches are good psychologists and bad coaches need a sports psychologist. Because I think the imprint, the impression, the way you affect these kids is so imp- incredibly important. And I've had so many pro athletes who will sit there and tell me, you know, their coaches they had as kids left such, such great imprints on them. Some have said that they left bad imprints, but so many have said they've, they've left such a great impression with them. And if you're a coach, how do you coach your kids? Do you think you affect their confidence positively or negatively? It's a big issue for a lot of people. Give me a call and let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio, 810-WHB. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and as you know, this is Sports Radio 810 WSB, our flagship station. You know, I do this show every week, and their shows are podcasted everywhere. Um, I get feedback and, and calls from people now all over the country on a regular basis who listen to these shows, and I want to thank everybody for listening to them. Our shows are also rebroadcast in a number of cities throughout the week. Um, looking to make this more of a national show because I think there's such a need for this, and we talk about these topics all the time on this show. Today it's self-confidence, how you build it, how you destroy it. I've been sharing information about things that I've been through, and you know, it, it's so easy to lose your confidence if you don't have a strong foundation in who you are in, in terms of your history with what you do. So playing sports should, first of all, and, and this is what I was to, I, I've got uh, one, two, three, five NFL players who are playing today that I work with, and the last thing that I mentioned to each one of them this week, have fun. And they reinforced that to me. Doc, you know what? You're right. I mean, it's my profession, it's my life, it's my livelihood, but it's about having fun. And they've been all doing pretty good because they've said they're enjoying what they're doing, they're having fun with what they're doing. And they're not trying to focus on the winning and losing as much as they are on their effort and execution. In fact, I have uh, one Super Bowl jersey from last year in my office from a player I work with. And on that jersey, he wrote FOE, focus on effort. And that was our goal last year when he started working with me to focus on his effort because he was having some issues dealing with some things. And to his, his credit, he did quite well because he said, I try not to think about the results. I try to focus on my execution. And I think if you if you really sit and think about confidence, oftentimes what I found is that confidence is lacking or is not as strong when you're focusing so much on the wins and losses. And when you lose, oh, I failed, I'm not any good. Well, maybe the other team just beat you. So it's about that effort. You know, I, I, a lot of people don't like this when I say this, but you, you can have 1,000 people go out and run a 5K road race, and all 1,000 of those people run their best times, and to me, they're all winners. 
Maybe they didn't come in first place, but they did their best. And in, in essence, that to me is what sports is about. So, Drake, let me ask you this question. You've been at this station forever since it started, and I've been here almost as long. We've seen lots of ups and downs when it comes to confidence with athletes and sports teams. What's your definition of self-confidence? Not for you specifically, but for sports. Uh, a lot of it is just not being afraid. I've might I've kind of made a, a career in radio. I do a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I started out because I wanted to be on the air. And I've ended up doing a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff because I'm not afraid to break something. If, if something's not working... You know, a lot of people be like, oh, I don't know what to do. I need to call somebody, and I'll, I'll just, well, let's see if we can fix it. Well, you are, as you were saying that, I'm thinking you are actually Mr. Fix-It here. Right, and I'm not an engineer. People, you know, I'm a boss here, this is this is our engineer. And I'm like, no, no, engineers go to school for a long, long time. I'm just, I just do a lot of engineering. But, yeah, you know, people that, that aren't afraid to try something, uh, you know, the, the, I know a, a lot of people that uh, they, well, I've never done that, so I'm afraid to do it. Or I did it once and it didn't work, so I'm afraid to do it. Okay, and, be, and you know, because because they're afraid to fail, right? Yeah, you're right, right. And, you know, I, for, for me, it's like, well, how many how many times did you try? <laughs> you know, I mean, th- there's there's a solution. Uh, you know, I've, I have never figured out a Rubik's Cube. But I still try. I see people do it in like eight moves while they're juggling it. And I'm like, wow, that's incredible. But, you know, there's a solution. That's not your skill set. No, there's a solution. I know there's a solution to it. And I know I just haven't found it yet. And at some point I will. Well, you know, I took off the stickers at one point when I was a kid. But, um, (laughs) but, yeah, I know there's a solution there. And for for any problem, for anything that's going on, there's a solution. And, you know, hard work will, will get you there. And don't give up. Well, that that's that's the in, in in the end the essence of all this is, you know, you put in the work, you put in the effort, and hopefully the results will be there. But if they're not, you look at why it didn't happen and how can I grow and learn from this. I mean, when you play a sport, you know, people say, "What's a perfect game?" Well, a perfect game in baseball is when you retire all twenty-seven batters, but you didn't throw a strike to everybody. I remember 1990, when I'm with the Royals, um, we had a pitcher named Mark Gubazaw, and Gooby threw eight great innings and came out after the eighth, and he had his shoulder wrapped in ice, and we were in the video room watching the game. Ninth inning, and Jeff Montgomery, who also is a, has a big role here at this station, Monty came in and struck out the side on nine pitches. And Gooby said, I've never seen that before. Jumped up out of the, the video room with the shoulder-wrapped eyes and ran out there. That was a perfect outing. He struck out the side on nine pitches. Everybody, everybody, all three batters, three strikes out. Jeff Montgomery didn't do that every time he pitched. Doesn't happen every time. But how you learn from your failures to me, is what develops your confidence. We've got a caller. Who is it? Dieter, you're on the air. Go ahead. Thanks for calling. How are you doing? Very well. I appreciate your conversation about self-confidence. And I was, my question to you was, it, it seems to me is that the one of the 
the the items that really detract from self confidence or weaken it is self too much self awareness where you're worried about what other people think of you and your comment earlier about you know just focusing on the task at hand makes you more introverted and less worried about what the others are thinking what is your thought about how detrimental increased self-awareness or being too worried about what others think of you is really at the one of the core issues of a lack of self-confidence well let me let me uh, comment on that then I want to get your thought on this I I have uh, the last couple years told pretty much all the pro athletes that I work with to get off of social media okay and I had a very very prominent player come in last year who had a huge social media presence and I, I, the first session, I said, so what happens when you script all doc, man? You should see the stuff I get. I said, do you know any of these people? No, man. And, they, and they're, they're threatening me. I said, well, why are you listening to this? Who are, they don't know you. I said, and when you do well, oh, everybody loves me. I said, well, they don't know you either. I said, so isn't it about how you feel rather than what other people feel? He hasn't been on social media since, and he said that was one of the best things I, I suggested that he do. He says because it's taken that away, and now he's more aware of himself. Does that make sense to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not against social media, but if you're a, a, an athlete and you've got this huge, you know, these huge followings of people, and then pe- you know you screw up, boy, you're going to get it from people. I mean, look at what happened to Simone Biles in the Olympics. There's there's some guy who has a podcast show who I listened to, and this guy's an idiot. I mean, he called her a sociopath. He has no idea what the word sociopath is. And he started criticizing her and challenging her because what she did. Simone Biles is is 10 times stronger person than that guy is because she had the guts, and even though she doesn't have any, she had the balls to say, hey, I've got an issue. i got to deal with it. And that's why I think... Awareness is so important, Dieter. So, listen, sir, we got to get going. But thanks for calling. Call back again sometime. Great, great comment. Appreciate it. Better. Thanks so much. Take Bye. care. You know, this the whole essence of what we talked about today is that you know confidence is the foundation of success and failure in many ways. But I think if you're confident and you learn to fail, you learn to lose, you learn to screw up, you learn to deal with it, understand it, it will motivate you to do better the next time. It doesn't mean you will, but it will get you better. You know, the reason I do this show every week is to talk about topics like this, and hopefully it helps you out. And I'd love to get comments from you, feedback from you. You, you know, there are a lot of ways you can reach me. You can get a hold of me at my website, winnersunlimited.com. My email there is drj at winnersunlimited.com. You can always call me at my office, 816 816- Five six one five 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 six. Follow me on Twitter at drj sport psych, s p o r t p s y c h. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio eight ten WHB on my website winnersunlimited dot com. Go there to listen to it, and they're on almost all the, the podcast apps. Hope you enjoyed the topic today. Have a great week. Stay well, stay safe, and work on that confidence. Take care. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.